Welcome back to Notice That, an EMDR podcast where two licensed professional counselors and approved EMDR consultants discuss the latest research and resources for trauma treatment and EMDR therapy. Welcome back to Notice That, an EMDR podcast. I am here with Bridger in our official studio. It's official. We're here. Yes. We just talked on another um, podcast episode and like spent a good seven minutes right. like, relishing in this moment, so we won't bore you guys. <laughs> but we're super excited to be in our actual space with all of our real equipment. So yes. thank you guys so much for all the support that you've offered us through Patreon for us to be here today. Yes. And video is coming soon. Video is coming and we have a producer, which Patreon is helping pay for. Jamie, she's sitting over there. Do you want to wave? She's virtually, she's waving. So let that be, it's audible now. Right. Yes. So we'll have her help in just making sure it all goes smoothly and um, all the, all the steps happen to get you guys the episodes on time. Yes. With good notes and everything that needs to be there. Yes. You may be hearing our neighbor right now. We, (laughs) We have a new neighbor and he is a fluffy, sweet, precious little dog that barks. Incessantly. (laughs) And we're going to try to control for that through sound uh, measures, but (laughs) there's not much we can do. And you all can just notice our activation. (laughs) (laughs) And the annoyance. (laughs) Jamie shakes her head. (laughs) If we have these awkward pauses and you're not hearing anything, it's us hearing the dog. And hopefully it's not bothering you all, but we're going to try just to talk through it. Yes. So on today's episode, we want to talk about the three channels of processing. And this being something that I talk a lot about in our certification program Mm. on the consultation calls of one, it comes from the question of really asking, how do we know when someone's like really processing or not? Yeah. So sometimes we do work with a client and it moves super fast and it's fluid and it feels so easy and natural that you're wondering like, is that real? Like, did that really just happen? Yeah. And sometimes the results show that it is. The symptoms alleviate. And then sometimes the symptoms are back the next week. Yeah. And you're wondering, man... I thought we just did this or we've been processing that, but nothing's changing. Mm. And so those questions have kind of leaded or like led me into exploring and, and us on our consultation calls into exploring of how can we check this? How can we, in our best efforts, explore if processing is actually taking place mm. in a really holistic way of it processing in all realms of their system, mm. not just are they reaching the best cognition about it and then we call it done. We're really promoting this holistic healing, holistic processing. And so that's where we have to check in with more than just the channel of cognition. Mm -hmm. So the three channels of processing being cognitive processing, um, emotional processing, emotions and affect, and then the somatic, Mm -hmm. the body piece of it. And so checking in on, on all of those three. Yeah. I think this is, it is built into, uh, the basic protocol, Um, and so it kind of gives just very naturally to, uh, the importance of all three areas, but so many, um, in my experience of doing consultation, so many are just looking for that, uh, Vogue to be a seven and then there you go. Yeah. Um, but even if the body scan isn't clear, it's just like, well, we got a, we got a seven. Yeah. So I guess we're good. You know, just to throw it out there, sometimes 
verbally they report the body scan is clear right right so our clients want to give us a report that's satisfying to the session satisfying to us as the therapist they're ready to be done mm. or maybe they even feel like oh yeah i i definitely i 100 percent believe i am a good lovable person i feel good there's nothing i notice in my body right but us noticing their presentation oh but mm. it doesn't look like yeah that's clear still seeing some flush or some like quick like annoyance yes. or some type of somatic i feel an energy activation. that's rushed to get done yeah. or like an urgency to like let's move yeah. on their attention is somewhere else mm-hmm. or even um noticing that hey maybe they're not fully connected into their body right maybe they rushed like nope my body feels clear and it's but did we really notice that mm. sink into that and one of my encouragements for everyone is that we're noticing the processing, not just by the time we get to the end to check it. Right. The processing needs to have all of those components to it. So when we're starting out with the assessment and the first time we say, notice that, and we start our bilateral, from that point until the very end of a clear body scan, we need to be hearing movement around cognition, around emotion, and around body sensation. Mm. If it's only cognitive reports, they're only talking about you know, the thoughts about the situation and the way that their perspective is on the situation. If it's all cognitive, but they haven't expressed anything emotionally or somatically, mm. it, I, it doesn't, um, it's it incomplete, right? It's incomplete. It's not a holistic right. approach to right. that. And that's through the three channels of processing. That's what we're looking for to see if the, if the body and the mind in their connection um, can agree that this is something that's being processed, mm-hmm. um, not a mental exercise or something that's just going on in that thinking part of I have new insight, but is that insight actually being integrated into the way that I have stored this experience in my in myself? Yeah, yeah. And the the assessment is beautifully set up to cover yes all three of these. So the the protocol is set up in a structure that supports this, Mm. right? This isn't something new coming in. Um, EMDR is not meant to be a cognitive therapy. It is not designed to be top down. But validity of cognition. Right. It's the number one thing we're looking for. That's right. But when we're really looking at the approach as a whole, like it incorporates emotion and body sensation as some of the, the key pillars in the assessment and then it's kind of on us then as the clinician to hold the awareness of all of those and yeah. not get lost just in the cognitions and the thoughts about it. Mm. And if our client is, you know, a very left-brained person or a very cognitive individual, they are more likely to kind of lean in the direction of wanting to just think about the experience. Yeah. Well, I think, honestly, if you look at just attachment in, in general, you know, when we come at it from an SIP lens, we're very aware of how their information processing systems are linked to their attachment styles mm-hmm. or their attachment strategies. Mm-hmm. And the dismissive types, which we typically kind of associate with that left brain orientation, there's affect going on in the body that they're not, they're not letting themselves pay attention to. Yeah. They're actually dissociating that away. Mm-hmm. And so it may be emerging but the consciousness is not aware of it. So yeah. as you're asking them or checking in on those things, it's completely omitted. Mm-hmm. And the cognition is what's distorted. You know, Patricia Crittenden, um, one of the famous attachment researchers, 
uh, describes dismissive attachment as omitted affect Mm -hmm. and distorted cognition. So the affect is gone, reportedly. Yeah. And the cognition is what's overemphasized and skewed. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so then when you open that, you know, you open up their memory networks of the trauma and start processing in that, you see just the... The, the distorted cognitions are clear, yes. but then as we begin to process, that might clear up. Mm-hmm. And those might come into... Get more insight. Yes, become yes. more adaptively stored. Mm-hmm. But if the affect is still omitted, if they're still not getting in touch with the affect around that experience yeah. and what it activates in their own body and their system, then we're going to see those symptoms pop right back up. Yeah, I love this. I have an example of, I get a lot of dismissive uh, kind of clients and I have one that is one of the most, it just stands out in my mind as such a perfect example of a dismissive, uh, dismissively attached person because in at the end of a session of an EMDR session where um, we talked about a lot about his mom, which is where a lot of his sort of um, really impactful memories live Hmm. for what he deemed to be acceptable ways of being in the world. And at the end of it, um, just kind of checking in the, it was an incomplete processing session. We couldn't get to where we needed to be by the end of the session. And so after, after closing, I'm just kind of asking him like what he thought of the experience and what he was feeling kind of Mm -hmm. leaving. He said, yeah, I guess I've just never thought about, uh, how afraid I was around my mom. Never thought about how afraid I was. And then he was just like, so, yeah. (laughs) I mean, said something like that. Just totally flat. Totally flat Mm -hmm. and just said, so, yeah, good session. And and still, I never thought. Right. It's still cognitive. I never thought about how afraid I was rather than I never felt. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, absolutely not. And even, um, you know, it's interesting to try to get in all three channels of processing with that, with that individual, um, the affect, the emotional and affective, uh, channel was always difficult to get to. Mm -hmm. I mean, it was something that I found myself even forgetting to check in on him with Yeah. of like, man, he's just, it's like, it's not even a real thing. It's not even Mm -hmm. a channel for him. It's just, you know, he could check in with his body. He did a lot of yoga, but he did not, he, he, he spoke so eloquently, spoke so clearly about that cognitive side and could connect it to his body. It like made me forget about the emotional Mm -hmm. or the, the affective. Mm -hmm. But if you look back at each of those sessions, it was just pure, like just 100% dismissive orientation, (laughs) completely distorted affect uh, or distorted cognition and omitted affect. And him learning that affect was not something to be experienced or stored or remembered. Yeah. And that, not that that doesn't occur within his system, but just the omission of that, that the ways his memories are stored yeah. from that point forward are with this almost shadow over that part. Yep. Of, okay, Don't I can look at it. Stay in tune with the thoughts about it for sure. And I'll remember the sequence and I'll remember the images that go along with that. And then the body sensations, he's coming into that. But it's almost like that channel doesn't exist because his system learned how to like leave that part right. of the memory out. And it was only when we actually started to touch into the affect that his boundaries with his parents actually started to change. Mm-hmm. Until yeah. then, nothing changed. Yeah. He would still 
respond to every text message. You know, this is a grown man. Mm. Still respond to every text message within, you know, 30 minutes of getting it, um, if not right away, would, you know, respond to, uh, yes, I need to go to their house when they request me to go to their house, even though I'm married and my wife does not want me to go Mm. because of how hurt she is in the relationship. Um, But I'm just going to be essentially eight years old again. Just as he was then. Yeah. So I love that example because it shows that, you know, the the person can show up so articulate and you said like connected with the thoughts in the body. Yeah. That it was very um, kind of disguised that there was an affect that wasn't it, being released. He had yet. a very detailed and invested in uh, mindfulness practice. Mm-hmm. Do yoga every day. Have Dan Siegel's Wheel of Awareness. You take that and partner um, a great skill with reframing and adaptive thoughts about something. This guy something. cannot be, yeah, stumped. Yeah. Right. But then you start to see patterns in his life that are saying, if those experiences that you were working on were fully processed, yeah. we shouldn't be seeing the effects anymore. Like we should start to see these symptoms start to shift and yeah. change. So there's something missing. And like, we didn't access something. Yeah. And like I said, I've got a lot of this version of person on my caseload Mm -hmm. and almost every single one of them presented if it wasn't directly for an obvious unprocessed trauma that they were aware of it was because i'm unhappy with every area of my life Mm -hmm. and i can't figure out what to do like they've thought so much about each of these things they've thought about every relationship they thought about every uh, job opportunity they've thought about every material thing that they own and where they're going they're very successful people whatever but they're utterly miserable Mm -hmm. and I just can't figure out why. And that, that second channel of the emotional affect is not of any value, which is parts of self. Like when you learn to tune that out, you are cutting out Mm -hmm. parts of yourself and those parts are buried in the past. And to cut that out as a way to protect from the pain also does not allow us to experience any spectrum of affect, right? right? It starts to limit us and how do we experience, have these affective experiences of the world around us to feel like deep passion and joy yeah. and connection and love. Mm. Yeah. So with these, um, kind of coming back to the three channels, it, I see often the cognitive side. Okay. Um, yeah, I see often people kind of lean in and the strength of their cognitions, maybe they've had a lot of training in CBT or that's what therapy has been for them before. So when we get into processing a memory, um, they're going to be more likely to tell the sequence of events. Mm. Well, this happened and then this happened next and then this happened, but there's kind of an absence of anything else. It's just moving through the memory, um, thought by thought by thought by thought maybe move into some reflections on it, some new insight, which is all important, really significant in the processing. But as we see that, one thing that's really helpful is to kind of help. We can go all the way through one channel and then try to come back and say, hey, but we missed, like, I didn't see any affect show up in that, or Mm. we didn't notice your body at all. And I I think that's an error in processing. If we get all the way through processing to where we're now at the body sensation, And we're just asking about the body for the first time there. We're less likely to get authentic, true experience of what is really showing up in the body throughout the memory. So I really encourage, like, as you're going throughout processing, be noticing throughout, like, if we've been in cognition and thought only for a while, 
give a really gentle inner weave that says, hey, where are those thoughts showing up in your body? Right. Or as you think about that part of the memory, right. notice your body for a moment and tell me what comes up. Mm. Right. So we're helping to have them incorporate all three channels while they're doing the processing, not just moving all the way through cognition and then saying, oh, and now do you feel anything in your body? Right. We want to know what their body is feeling, what emotions they're holding all throughout. Right. And I really want listeners to kind of feel not, I want them to feel the importance of this, not just as a you know, here's something to try. But when we're addressing a holistic perspective of a person in their mind's connection to their body, we're talking about these three channels, which are associated with parts of the brain. Mm -hmm. The cognitive part being obviously that rational brain that we talk about, the emotional affective getting into that um, mammalian brain and then into the body, which still has affect in it, activation, yes, but it is that reptilian process of emerging affect into physiological processes and different um, ways of storing energy in the body. Mm -hmm. And so if we're not getting into those throughout the protocol, throughout the eight phases, then we're leaving out parts of the person's experience of themselves and other and parts of the brain. And so we're just, we're, we're almost, um, making it, we're, we're almost like giving them permission to stay in that cognitive place mm-hmm. into that thinking place. If we're not going deeper into the parts of the brain that are associated with the sensory, with the affect, with the emotion, yeah. with the somatic sense. And oftentimes with the bilateral people will kind of spontaneously go through all of those, right? Like yeah. the, the memory will emerge housing all of that. And they're experiencing that with you. And so it's not a matter of like, you have to have interweaves that direct them into each of those places, but notice, are we hitting all three channels? And if not, then that's when we gently offer, you know, an interweave that can help move them back into maybe some of the the processing in some of those other regions of the brain that are really critical in having um, that memory be processed and the somatic pieces be released, the affect be able to be released. One of the things that's coming up for me is thinking about, um, in consultation, some people talking about past, present, future, the three pronged approach mm-hmm. and getting that confused with the three channels. Oh, really? Yeah. Which okay. is interesting. So, and I want to just speak to that of being able to overlay, um, the three channels in whichever prong you're processing, or if you're doing a float back or something like that, this is something that we're keeping a, a, an eye on throughout all processing. It's not just like a phase of the treatment. We're just focusing on this now. Right. We're just focusing on this now. It's it's for each area of the experience of the session, we're checking in on the cognitive, the emotional affective, and the the sensory or the the, the somatic yeah. element. And I would say, you know, it's especially important in resourcing too. Yes. Like if we are going to help someone access a resource that has already you know, a memory that's already been stored within their system that could be a resource to them. Yeah. The best way to access it is going to be those three channels. Absolutely. When you recall that memory, what thoughts come up about it? What pictures do you see? What thoughts do you have? What emotions are you noticing? Mm. What affect do you experience while you think of it? Yeah. And where do you feel it in your body? If we're going to install or strengthen that, activating all three of those and then saying, notice that. Yeah. Let your body feel all of that if we're going to create a new resource same things Mm -hmm. we need cognition we need affect and we need body sensation all noticed giving attention to all of those then pairing that with bilateral so that it can be stored in that way Mm -hmm. 
you know, noticing for each, um, you know, person what elements they tend to favor in looking at their their memory or in uh, the resourcing of what what seems to be the most powerful part mm-hmm. of this resource for them um, can help you kind of give an, uh, an idea of where they've been throughout their life in terms of favoring one of these channels yeah. and dissociating <laughs> the others. I have a client that uh, we talked a little bit about the dismissive. This person is uh, on the other side of the aisle in the preoccupied where Crittenden would say it's about um, omitted cognition and distorted affect. Mm-hmm. So I don't, the, the ideas are not there of the thinking about it. I don't know. I'm confused, but I'm feeling mm-hmm. a ton mm-hmm. and I'm overwhelmed by that feeling. Yeah. This person has been, uh, kind of from EMDR therapist to EMDR therapist to EMDR therapist, because nobody has been able to get anywhere in resourcing or preparation and the the overwhelming affect just intrudes on yeah. any level of the person's processing. Oh yeah, I can think of several sessions like that. Yeah, mm-hmm. where resourcing f- seems to fail. Mm-hmm. All of these resources just they don't work, and yeah. they get they get blown up by this uh, disturbing. Oh yeah, their body sensation or contaminated every single time. Yeah, tainted mm-hmm. all over the place. Um, so I wonder, like Jen, like what you think about that of clients that. Um, resourcing seems to be especially difficult for I don't know what you mean what do I think about it I've got like I mean a lot of specific examples running through my mind and then also depending on the individual presentation of that you approach that so mm-hmm. uniquely it's not that is just, all what I mean by okay the question. <laughs> it's not just oh that resource doesn't work try a new one right. that resource doesn't work try a new one yes it's not about you know running through the list of all the possible resources and exhausting this client and trying to find it in fact that's so discouraging of counterproductive why can't I feel one good thing ever yeah but more of noticing of what does that mean that we can take something as you know safe as a neutral thought can we just access a neutral thought and even that neutral thought or neutral place gets contaminated and it has big affect and it feels so unsafe immediately and so yeah those are all my thoughts of like that's where we just start to wonder how did that get created where does that come from and how has that been somehow shaped or a necessity or exploring that more with them relationally let's talk about that yeah and that's what i kind of want to talk about because in many of the consultation sessions that i'm doing they're not the the consultees are still having a having a hard time thinking about what the answer to those questions are Mm -hmm. why is that that way well i don't know i don't know what to do in the room yeah the resourcing is failing like the i can't get them to find any semblance of safety or any semblance of, of, of protection or of nurture. I can't get them to identify with it. What do I do? And that is where I think the three channels really start to show the importance of, of thinking and, and practicing that way. Um, for this client that I'm talking about where she's been from EMDR therapist to EMDR therapist, we had to really stick in uh, the relationship between the two of us for quite a while before we were able to be collaborative together on discovering a resource. And at the end of it, like the most effective one was her floating on her back in a river Hmm. like that to her. And it was completely imagined, could not be a real place. Mm -hmm. Anything 
could not touch real living memory. So it was this imagined, almost like utopian river. Yeah. It's autumn, but the water's still warm. And it's flowing, but not too fast. And I'm able to just float on my back. And I would, I would guess you and her did not find that by saying, okay, here's the script for Complace. Let's try that. And if <laughs> no. that doesn't work, here's all the things that could go wrong. And so I'm supposed to now say this. No, it said, hey, actually what preparation becomes is just relationship between you and totally. I. Let's just talk. And, and this is my soapbox, but we're, that's EMDR. <laughs> Yes. That is EMDR therapy. That's not us saying, oh, this Gotta client's not protocol. ready for it. Yeah. Right? They can't even think of a calm place. This client's not ready for it. It's saying, let me actually develop safety right here with her. Yeah. Or her system may feel safe enough with me, attachment-wise, to say, well, there mm-hmm. is one spot. There is one thought that could feel okay. Yes. And I, th- this example to me is one of my favorites because it shows a way of being helpfully um, colluded with mm-hmm. in her attachment style. If yeah. you know it's preoccupied yeah. and you know the affect is overwhelming, find a place where that affect is is regulated. Yeah. Even in an imagery, like preoccupied attachment leads to this over-imagination because they're so accustomed to overwhelming affect. I can see things very well. Mm-hmm. I know what it feels like to be overwhelmed, like a tidal wave. And she has a super articulate imagination. Um, and so asking it to create a template yeah. for me, basically, you know, and we're, we're doing this almost like a, an experiment of she's got the buzzers. She likes to lay down on the couch. So she's got the buzzers in her hands and she's closing her eyes and we're just exploring feeling together. Mm-hmm. It's very non-scripted. Mm-hmm. Not traditional. Not at standard. all. Yeah. But that's, I mean, what are you going to do? This person has, quote unquote, failed out of mm. every other therapy. And that's the message that she's bringing into right. Right. our work together after she was referred to me by another EMDR therapist. Mm-hmm. So in that, being very open to just exploring what the body feels is good, mm-hmm. is safe. That is that resource was ultimately one of the most robust resources we could have created because it held power, it held nurture, it held calm, and it held safe. (laughs) And that was the only place that we could find to actually have a container of any kind. And it was like a hollowed out log on the side of the (laughs) riverbed that she could put things in. Yeah. That's beautiful. Yeah. And just knowing that it is through that like relational exploration that we're going to be able to find not just the resources, but that we're going to be able to tune into what's happening in the processing. Yeah. Like it just as a highlighter overview to all of this, the relational dynamic between the therapist and the client and, and us really tuning into what's happening in their processing, mm-hmm. what's happening in their systems while we do this is what is going to set us up for successful outcomes. It's not about staying too rigid to the script or the protocol or the steps. I will say as a trainer, those set us up to learn it really well. Yeah. To learn the, like, what's happening? Why are we even doing this? What does notice that even mean? Like, it sets us up to learn it and to figure it out well. But then we have to say, hey, all of my intuition instincts and my therapeutic judgment relationship skills need to come in to be a part of this. Yeah. And a bigger, more powerful part than the script so that we can navigate and explore this human to human, not script to human. Not script to human. 
I love that. Stepped out of my soapbox. Please don't. I, we're <laughs> literally recording a podcast, so I think if there's any place <laughs> that we can stay on our soapbox, it's this one. True. Very true. <laughs> true. Hmm. I had a, a neuropsych question I wanted to ask you. If I can like put you on the spot. Absolutely. I'll see if I can remember it now. It was like many, many moments ago <laughs> when we were talking about the like reptilian, mammalian, and rational brain. Yeah. And the way memories are stored and talking about these three channels. So where, what I want to know is when a memory is activated. Well, I'm getting excited already. Are you? Okay. Oh, I don't want to make you nervous. Oh. When a memory is activated. <laughs> Sorry. Is it, is it stored and like, does it activate all three of those like mm. regions of the brain? Um, or is it stored in like one area or another? Like where is the memory stored? And then once that's activated, what's happening in those regions? Right. Cause I'm trying to like pair together as we're talking about channels of processing and we want to move through each of those channels. Are we actually moving through processing in each of those regions right. of the brain? Right. So there's a couple, this is going to be a little bit of a long winded answer because your, your, your question is mixing together concept and structure. Okay. Um, and that's where we have to like pull them apart really quick Okay. because while those three channels are associated with very clear delineations in the brain, it's not to say that other areas are not involved. Okay. Does that make sense? Uh So when you're talking about a memory being activated, even that those two words, memory activation, holy cow, how many (laughs) structures are involved in that? Mm -hmm. Um, so I want to be as detailed as I can to the answer or to the question that you're asking. So when you say memory activation, are you talking about target identification and we're going to pursue that target? We've now actually brought it into the room to where the affect is real. Yes. And the, yes. Okay. That's what I, when I say memory activation, it's not just identifying the memory, but bringing attention to it cognitively, emotionally and somatically. So that is the magic moment of memory reconsolidation. When that can actually happen, when the memory can be uh, evoked actually viscerally in the body, we have the opportunity for it to be reconsolidated, right. which is actually the science behind AIP, uh-huh. um, which is memory reconsolidation. And we can nerd out about that Lots. later. Yeah. Um, but when you have all three channels online and we can actually pay attention to them now, uh, um, reconsolidation and the emdr language reprocessing Reprocessing, sorry (laughs) i was like just looping in my head on what that was um reprocessing can actually happen because you know there are structures in the brain that are associated with memory and we can argue about that because it is an argument but in the mammalian brain is where you're going to get that uh the mammalian to the uh reptilian brain is where you're going to get the hpa axis hypothalamus pituitary adrenal gland and that's what's going to now shut down your body's um kind of uh prioritization of cortical thinking like i'm thinking about this doesn't matter when that hpa axis goes on it's now into that uh, nervous system that autonomic response Mm -hmm. the body now uses memory in a very different way than it does when we're in a regulated social connected place when we're in that place it's just able to think of memories in an associative way that can lead to uh, greater experience and more connection. When we're in that activated place or that fight, flight, freeze place, memory becomes about um, more so emphasizing threat detection, how to respond to a threat and how to uh, 
basically survive yeah. an encounter. So when we're now in this memory activation and we have all three channels processing and we're paying attention to them, we have to know that conceptually we're dealing with memory that is, um, or we're dealing with, with experience that is bombarded by memory. It's not, okay. it's not just about the memory or the feeling in the moment right now with the patient or with the client. Mm -hmm. It's about their associations with that feeling in the past. Mm -hmm. So when you have that going on, we're talking about mammalian and reptilian activation in the brain. And so we're still in that autonomic activation place. So the importance is, and why resourcing is a thing in EMDR is we have to, we have to learn to pair that mm -hmm. activation with an adaptive yeah. process or a, a resource or some way of integrating all three channels with that overwhelming affect from the past and learn to then hold both of them. And that's where titration comes in. Mm -hmm. We're learning to go between uh, the overwhelming affect that was stored traumatically in the brain and now our adaptive processing networks that have the resources that we've built in to regulate that overwhelming affect and then install that into a co-regulated relationship. Mm -hmm. Okay. So in summary of that, when we're talking about processing through the, th or the three channels of processing, it's not just happening in isolated structures of like this, this channel happens here. The whole right. brain is working all the time, all the time on all of it, yeah. but it does require the specific attention yes. um, given to each of those to really be able to have that holistic, like to, for the reconsolidation to incur yes. for all of the storage to be woke up or whatever evoked. Yeah. evoked. Yeah. For the way it's stored in all forms to be evoked for the new experience, the more adaptive associations right. to occur. And that's why when you're doing, when you're in that, uh, those later phases and you're actually working on, um, body scan and closure, it's really important to go into those three channels because the yeah. association, the new association is still weak. You know, if you're thinking mm -hmm. about connectivity, it's a weak level of connectivity because only just now, were they able to pair that overwhelming affect that was evoking all three levels right. with this new resource and a co-regulated attention to it. So it's really important that you bring that back up and highlight again, you know, in closing that session of what you were able to do, because that's how the cognition is going to be able to come along and wrap around it. The story is not, Oh, I feel different and I don't know why. Mm -hmm. It's well, I am feeling different and it's because we together, another important part we together with my therapist worked on this yeah. and we went from this place where it was detached, um, which is where the uh, AIP model talks about detached memory networks yeah. and those types of things. Um, memory reconsolidation science would say that that was um, fragmented into a place where it was looping on itself. Mm -hmm. It was now just going on and on and on about how overwhelming that affect was without secure attunement. But now when we highlight again the resourcing and the connection between therapist and client, we can pair that overwhelming affect with an utterly stable environment that can regulate that emotion. When that coming after, so the installation phase is about recalling the original target experience, the new positive cognition and associating those two. So that's what you're talking about and yeah. relinking those. That is a phase that we fly through. And that's it. I think a, a major error in how we're doing it. We spend so much time in the reprocessing. And once we finally get there, many, many clinicians will spend like a set. Like if it, if they ask for the original target and then we check the voc with the new positive cognition, 
when it's already at a seven, they move on right. without and even that's... bilateral or installing that further. Or they maybe do a set or two, but really emphasizing like this is when that a new association occurs and it's a brand new linkage. Right. It's a, it's a baby link. That's right. right. Like this link just occurred. And so to really strengthen that, and when we're talking and you can add on to this Bridger, but my very rudimentary understanding of this is when that linkage is happening, what we're really trying to go for is these neurotransmitters are connecting and myelinating that process. And the more we're giving attention to it, the more energy is going to be flowing in that. And as we repeat that, we're noticing it, we're feeling it, and having them continue to go through that original target, positive cognition, and all the feelings that come along with that. We strengthen that connection so that it will more likely be where electricity moves the next time right. versus going back to the old. Right. Path. So myelination um, is, it, it takes time. And so to say that it's happening in an instant is, is neurobiologically incorrect, but you're establishing a new pathway that has links between somato, uh, like, um, sensory motor experience mm -hmm. and connectivity between myself and other. Mm -hmm. So that is what we're first establishing is it's, it's capable, like you are capable of experiencing this overwhelming affect in the present now with another person whose intention is to help you heal. That's the first association, right? When that's possible, then the body can start to almost like dream of generalizing this to other areas of life, which is when the body's natural processes, processes of myelination can be recruited. The body is not going to instantly myelinate a path over time as in like sessions, weeks, months, years, yeah, depending minutes, on like what's disconfirming. Well, it, I mean the process of myelination experience. Yeah. <laughs> and that's why REM sleep is so important because that's yeah. when the body is really doing a ton of work to help the body, uh, to help the mind rather, um, maintain the associations that was made during that day or that, that moment of consciousness. Um, it's not something that is instantaneous. I don't want that to be disheartening because that's, no, it, it's not. I mean, it's because it, it still, I think falls in the same suit as we process or we install that multiple times and then they go out and they, they live their week and they come back and you say, what do you notice? You yes. know, and they tell you, well, Hey, this thing felt a little bit different. And then we say, let's notice that. That's why that's and we so start important. pairing it again. So it is over time that's happening, but it's promoting like the attention that's given to those moments of connection between something that would have previously been activating but no longer carries that same like somatic experience or that, that negative affect, overwhelming affect that can be experienced in a more neutral or adaptive state and through connection between you and the therapist and the client. That's when you've got truly all three mm -hmm. channels, not just in isolation in the self, but in connection with the other. With another. Mm -hmm. Yes. And that's where the last kind of point that I want to make on, on, on the three channels from a neurobiological perspective is that in the building of the brain, you get the neurosequential experience of the brain. So when you're talking about the reptilian to the mammalian to the rational and the neocortex wrapped around it all, mm. we're talking about energy, um, like an energy sequence when we have uh, the reptilian brain is where so much of our just automatic functions are happening. And it's where our sensory and motor processes are, are happening in the brain. That takes a lot of energy. So if you think about that, you know, energy density, like if you were to look at it on a, on a imaging um, screen, you would see more concentration of energy at that level when we're in that fight, flight, freeze place. 
and less energy or less activation or less lighting up on, a, mm-hmm. on an imaging screen in that neocortex, the rational brain. This is why when we're going through um, uh, an EMDR session, we need to think of it, at least in my opinion, we need to think of it in that way because the mm-hmm. cognition may be a seven, but the activation is still in those lower parts of the brain. Yeah. So when you globalize that or generalize it to the rest of the brain, the energy is only able to go into those higher levels of the brain when we are in that regulated, socially connected place. Mm -hmm. That's why we have this, like, um, with polyvagal theory, we talk about how when we drop out of ventral, we drop out of that social engagement place. That's all about energy. That's all about the brain's interconnectivity. So when we're in that fight, flight, freeze place, the body doesn't need energy up in these higher areas of the brain that are associated with planning about tomorrow and what I think about my personality. Mm-hmm. It needs more energy in those, in that HPA axis. It needs more energy in that attachment system and it needs more energy in the reptilian brain to respond appropriately. Yeah. When we're outside of that threat, energy will go back up and now we'll have these associations ready to be made meaning of, which is why sleep is so important. And that's why checking in again on that experience over time throughout the week is so important. Yeah. That's what encourages the body to myelinate that path as opposed to another one. So using the the language around energy feels really helpful in my like conceptualization of that and bringing in and one of Dan Siegel's little catchy phrases being where attention goes, energy flows. And that's, that's right. what we're doing with EMDR is drawing attention, like notice, noticing that. And especially in the resource development pieces of having them notice certain aspects of those memories. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's really helpful. And not paying, like, I don't really pay attention to uh, the cognition as primary really at all. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't really care if it's a seven. I want to see that be true in the other in the other areas yeah. or the other channels before I'll believe that the seven is actually global to the system. Yeah. Because cognition is the last thing to come online. The story is the last thing. Story follows state, follows story. So as we keep wrapping that around, the cognition can be whatever it is. And it's a, it's a Likert system. The human knows that it wants to be seven. Mm-hmm. I want to heal. So I'm going to name it a seven mm-hmm. or I want this person to think that what we're doing is meaningful. So I'll label it higher than mm-hmm. what I just did. Mm-hmm. You know, people can short circuit the <laughs> Likert type scales. Oh, yeah, I will find a story <clears throat> that feels satisfying enough. So I don't have to f- access exactly the, the affect. I need to get it. out of here. Mm-hmm. So if we then instead learn to trust the wisdom of the body's natural communication systems, we yeah. can see that in their, in their body and in their emotion and affect that's below the surface, there's still a lot of activation going on. Yeah. And so learning how to communicate that to and with our clients and to say, you know, I, I hear that you're, that you're feeling like you have new understanding for this experience, mm-hmm. but I don't know, like for me, I'm still feeling some activation in you around it. Mm-hmm. And I, and I'm wondering what that is. Like if it's about the time that we have left or if it's about even just kind of wanting to be away from this right now, if you're kind of feeling like I want to, I want to move on. Yeah. That's beautifully put in such a gentle, like drawing attention to that for them. Yeah. Um, easing into that, not making assumptions, but also not <clears throat> for ourselves as therapists, like, oh yeah, we want that zero. We want that seven. And so not just be like, well, we got it. Let's move on. Yeah. Like I'm, I'm good enough for at the end of the session. You said it's a six. Awesome. Awesome. Sounds good. <laughs> <Right>? Yeah. <laughs> An ecological one. Right. Yeah, sure. <laughs> yes. So that just really gentle invitation to, could we explore this together? And maybe I'm off. Maybe I'm exactly. not Exactly. And I'm open it. to that. Yes. 
Yes. It's not that I'm right, but I want to explore this. So you. I'm curious, and I don't know how much time we have left, but I'm curious one last thing of, okay. of how much you share with your clients about the three channels of processing. I would say it varies. It's utilizing that language, maybe not a lot. Uh, yeah, some though, but I would say it's more so. It's very clear that if they're f- stuck in one area or another, we will discuss like what that possibly means or why their system wants to just stay in thought only. Yeah. Like why that feels safer to them than moving into their body or why is it that the body feels stuck in that place and we're not able to grasp, you know, a a story around that, that kind of connects with them or embodies all of it. So we do talk about it, maybe not as much of direct language, but there are some clients who they want to know the explanation behind it and having that language is helpful to them. But a lot of times, like my clients will say, like, you're probably going to ask me what I'm feeling in my body then, aren't you? Like, they know my ways of kind of trying to shift over into the other channels, even if we're not talking about it like that. Yeah, definitely. Okay, guys. Um, We wanted to mention, as we're wrapping up today, just a couple of uh, resources and opportunities that we have for you guys. Retreats. Uh, we have several new clinicians that have been trained. They're experienced clinicians that have been newly trained in our retreat model. Mm-hmm. And we are supporting and consulting with them and utilizing um, the intensive approach and retreat approach with their clients, as well as opening that up to other clients. So you've heard us talk about retreats before, but in case you haven't, we offer a retreat experience where you can come for three to five days mm-hmm. to Springfield, Missouri, and stay at one of our locations. Um, one is in town, one is out on a farm with horses, a few different options. And as you come, you're just you know, immersed into an environment that's 100% focused on your healing. And so the food, the, you know, the, the lodging, the sleep arrangements, the schedule are all supportive of you not having to worry about a thing and just focused on taking care of you and healing from the trauma that you want to address. In that time, you're paired with an EMDR therapist who can offer, you know, three hours of EMDR therapy a day, adding in massage therapy, yoga therapy, and potentially some other added services if you're interested, like art therapy, craniosacral, Reiki, equine-assisted psychotherapy, many, many options out there. So if something like that seems interesting to you or maybe a client you're working with who's just hitting a stuck point and needs to kind of get out of their environment and go seek a retreat to focus on their healing and wellness, reach out to us and we'll kind of connect with you and do an initial consult on if this feels like a good fit, if this would be helpful to you or your client, and then we can start to plan from there. So you can reach us at therapy at beyondhealingcenter.com. And we do have a couple trainings coming up, uh, one in our uh, somatic integration and processing and also our somatic integration and processing too, which is the deeper dive into the theory. Um, and so based on when this uh, episode drops, you can um, look on our website for the dates of the trainings that we have available. And we would love to get you into uh, one of those case conceptualization trainings, which is at SIP1, and then our deeper theoretical exploration of SIP, which is SIP2, which is really exciting. And so that, uh, if you have any interest in those, you can email us at trainings at beyondhealingcenter.com, and we would love to get you connected. All right. Thank you guys for listening in today, and we'll talk again soon. 
Thanks for listening to Notice That, an EMDR podcast. We hope something you've heard today will help you help your clients. Find our latest episode and more on our Facebook page or on our website, emdr-podcast.com. And don't forget to add us to your RSS feed or follow us on iTunes, Spotify, or Stitcher so that you don't miss an episode. Please email questions and comments to noticethat at emdr-podcast.com. From all of us here at Notice That, see you next time.